I'm Jacob Weiss. I'm Logan Elrod. And we minored in film. So for today's episode, we are going to start with a review for Those Who Wish Me Dead before we get into our main event, which is Uncut Gems. You in trouble? Anyone else in trouble? My dad said if anything happened, I should find someone I can trust. Are you someone I can trust? Those Who Wish Me Dead is a 2021 film uh, just released on HBO Max and in theaters. Still reeling from the loss of three lives, Hannah is a smoke jumper who's perched in a watchtower high above in the Montana wilderness. She soon encounters Connor, a skittish boy who's bloodied, traumatized, and on the run in the remote forest. And as she's trying to bring him to safety, she's unaware that he's being hunted down by two assassins. This is directed by Taylor Sheridan um, and also written by Taylor Sheridan, Charles Leavitt, and Michael Corita. This is based on a book. Um, and yeah, so what did you think of Those Who Wish Me Dead? Um, what, what did I think about this movie, huh? <laughs> so like this movie would be great, all right? Mm-hmm. If you were a dad, you just came back <laughs> from cutting some grass. I don't uh-huh. know, we'll say eighty-five degrees. Eighty-five. On the sun. <laughs> All right, you come back, you sit down on your, I don't know, couch, grab the remote, you turn it on. It's FX. This movie's playing. <laughs> it's about twenty minutes in the movie. Uh-huh. Dad starts watching it. He goes to sleep. This is what this movie's made for. <laughs> yeah, the first twenty minutes aren't really important, anyways. So. I mean, none of the movie is important. <laughs> Uh yeah, obviously I do not like this movie. I'm glad that like late new thousands, early two thousands action packed movies that used to come out like fifty times a year, summer blockbusters are, mm-hmm. are back. Yeah. Um nature's healing, I guess. So yeah, good for those people who <laughs> like these movies. But yeah, this uh-huh. movie, uh there was like uh, we we will try to keep it spoiler free as well. Okay. Uh-huh. Spoiler free. Yeah, the characters just like you can't get invested in any any characters, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. You go on. I'll, I'll I'll say some more stuff. Yeah, so there there was some stuff that I did like about this movie, but I agree, it's very run of the mill. Um, I was expecting a bit more from Taylor Sheridan, who we know. Um, he wrote um Heller High Water and Sicario, as well as um Wind River, which he also directed, and those are all amazing movies. So I was expecting more from this. Um. But, you know, you have some of his things like he really does like the American West. He likes those kind of more rural, deserted regions of the country, which Mm -hmm. he explores here, which I do like that part of it. I like, you know, the Montana wilderness. Um, But, yeah, I so I also liked kind of the scenes during like the fires and stuff. I thought there's some cool visuals and stuff there. But the story, yeah, it was was kind of dumb. It was horrible. (laughs) Yeah. So... It's like they just have these two assassins hunting this kid through the woods, and it feels so out of place. The first, yep. like, I feel like the movie really didn't even, like, get its footing until about 15, 20 minutes in. Like, the first part of the movie feels like a different movie. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of, like, I feel like they could have just cut all the beginning parts with, like, the, you know, the assassins trying, like, starting to hunt down the kid's father. And then, um, you know, they could have just started it right when they they crash yeah. their car and they and don't stuff. even let you care about the father or the kid to be completely honest like mm-hmm. the only plot point that you remotely get attached to anyway is just 
because of the sheriff and his wife with a baby, which would have been a way better plot point throughout the whole movie than just like five minutes of it. Yeah, I agree with you. I was thinking the whole time that they could have probably just taken out Angelina Jolie's character. Um, mm-hmm. and She was pointless. Yeah. I love Angelina Jolie too, but her backstory honestly is like just showing like minor flashbacks of being a smoke jumper. Like mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. And, but yeah, I think that, you know, John Bernthal and Medina Senghor, I like, you know, the, the sheriff and his, his wife, I think they were the best characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed watching them on screen. I thought they were both great and had the best sequences in the film. And that's kind of the relationship that I cared about. Yeah. And it was barely in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I also wish they would have explored actually more of like the smoke jumpers. Cause mm-hmm. that's I, a I, way better plot point than anything yeah. else. And, like, I love a good movie about, like, an interesting job and when Mm -hmm. they explore that job. And they kind of just, like, say she's a smoke jumper and then, you know, kind of you see kind of the smoke jumping crew at the beginning. I would have liked to see more of them so that when they eventually return again in kind of a really small way, you know, I just wish they would have expanded on them more because I didn't really, I felt kind of let down by that part. Yeah, and this is an action movie and the action, action sequences weren't even good. Yeah. There wasn't any, like, the lightning scene. <laughs> that, that's pretty dumb. I know. There's just, like, lightning coming down. It's like, yeah, wow, and then feels... it stops randomly, you uh, know? It just stops. <laughs> We're only going to have lightning the, when even we have like, to cross this big field. Yeah, there was no, like, away. notable action sequences that, I mean, it was pretty run-of-the-mill, like, standard stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like there could have been a better reason to have the kid's dad be killed. That's not a spoiler. That's kind of what sets the movie in motion. Yeah, I mean, it was like the, the first 25 or... Yeah, and I just feel like there could have been a better reason to kind of have him be hunted down. Like, I maybe more so like the thoughts of like, oh, he this kid witnessed something. But the fact that it was these like assassins hired by some like greedy corporate guy that we see for five minutes, which is Tyler Perry. Not even. It's completely, yeah, not even. One. It's completely <laughs> unnecessary. Like two minutes. He didn't need to be there at yeah. all. Um, I just feel like there could have been a much better reason that this was all happening. Yeah, it was just like about these two hitmen trying to get like, I don't know. It. I I think this movie is absolutely horrible. I'm not yeah. even going to lie. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think there's anything that was strong about this movie. I don't, I mean, I guess you could say visual effects, but mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah, and I actually thought I thought that the child actor in this actually did a good job, Finn Little. For I'm not gonna hate on a, the, I'm not gonna hate on the kid, so I'm not gonna yeah. say anything bad. <laughs> but I will tell you what I don't I don't think there was any like, okay, yeah, he played a part. Yeah, that's it all, wasn't, all it wasn't say. bad. It was a serviceable. Yeah, he played he played a part. Yeah, I'm just saying I just have <laughs> such low expectations for child actors. I mean, yeah, you have to. I, they don't I think suck, everybody like, wow. in this. Like, no acting stands out. I mean, I don't really think it has to for Mm -hmm. this, but, I mean, nothing works in this movie, though. (laughs) See, I I, I agree that it's not a good movie, but I really didn't hate it. Like, I was still, like, at least mildly entertained throughout the runtime. Yeah, okay, that's all right. That's what we're here for. (laughs) I literally, I I was sitting there, and I was like... I mean, I was waiting for a movie because we haven't had a movie we could thrash in a while mm-hmm. to review. I mean, we just started doing movie reviews anyway. <laughs> um, so, I I mean, I know we're going to come across things like this, but I just, I guess I was let down because we just did Hell or High Water. Mm-hmm. So, that's probably why I got so disappointed. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. That's fair. But Me no, too. I will never watch this movie ever again. I, think I probably it's won't either. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, well, if you had to give it a uh, one out of 10 score, 
Yeah, one out of ten, or a one to ten score. One to ten. Um, <laughs> one out of ten. <laughs> uh, two point five. Two point five. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'd probably. Yeah, after talking about it, I think I was originally like a six, but I'd I didn't mean to like. It. No, no, that's okay because you. you made some good points here. See, sometimes I I struggle with my rating system because I'll be like, yeah, I was okay, and then the more I think about it, I'm like, uh, it was really yeah. You just put more what did you put mediocre. seven out of ten on? Oh no, Letterbox? I didn't give it a seven or something like that. I what? think I gave it a six, but a six. I think I might drop it to a five. Yeah, I think I'm gonna settle on a five out of yeah. 10. I was just disappointed, man. Like. Yeah. And it's just not a good movie to me. <laughs> but I'm glad action movies are back. My dad's going to enjoy this mm-hmm. while he's asleep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Ad break. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, so today we have a very special episode, like all of our episodes. Um, I don't think I said meat and potatoes earlier, but that's okay. Yeah. It's the meat and potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Say it now. Um, so this is episode 28, I believe. We are doing Uncut Gems 2019, a charismatic New York City jeweler always on the lookout for the next big score makes a series of high stakes bets that could lead to the wind, windfall of a lifetime. Howard must perform a precarious high wire act balancing business, family, and encroaching adversaries on all sides in his relentless pursuit of the ultimate win. That was that description was like as breathless as the movie is. <laughs> I know, I couldn't breathe. Uh, it's rated R, so if you're uh-huh. under 17, don't watch this. <laughs> uh, you can watch it on permission. You can watch it on Netflix. It is directed by Ben and Josh Safty, written by Ben Safty, Josh Safty, and Ronald Bronstein, and it's starring Oop. My cast list is messed up. It deleted. All right, well, anyway. <laughs> Adam Sandler, uh Lakeith Stanfield, Julia Fox, Kevin Garnett, uh, Idina Menzel. There we go. Uh Anyone I'm missing? Because my I don't have my cast list. The weekend. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's not that many characters. Mm-hmm. There's only like four big ones. Yeah, yeah. And my stuff messed up. All right, there we go. Budget was 19 million dollars, and the box office take was 50 million dollars, being A24's highest grossing film. It is like an indie studio, so yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, A24 is so popular now that they're probably going to beat that pretty soon with whatever next big blockbuster yeah. they got coming up. I guess in my mind, I figured that like Hereditary and Midsummer and like Lighthouse and stuff did better. Yeah, than that. see, I was like, Hereditary, I thought would do better because I thought they had a huge box office take, but mm-hmm. it came out in 2018, didn't have as much as uh, Uncut Gems did. Huh. So, yeah. Interesting. So, um, what is your initial thoughts and reactions to this movie? Uh, the first time this this was my second time watching the film. Uh, the first time I watched it, I wasn't all that crazy about it. I think that, like, I know that Adam Sandler is his character is supposed to be pretty like obnoxious, but uh, I think that he's also supposed to be kind of like lovable. But he mm-hmm. just like annoys the hell out of me. Does he? But um, I think that I mean it's a good performance though. Yeah. But uh, I think that character made it a little hard for me to get through and it was so like non-stop fast paced like music going the whole time like flashy colors and it was a lot the first time and so it kind of overloaded me and I wasn't crazy about it but there's still a lot of stuff I like like I love the the tension in the movie they're mm-hmm. really great at building and releasing this tension um, and there's some great twists in there I really like their use of 
like real celebrities kind of playing themselves, but kind of like a little bit of a fictionalized version of themselves. I think that's a lot of fun. And that's something really cool that I don't see a lot. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just not watching the right movies, but I think that's pretty unique to this. Um, The Safties have a very unique style in this movie. So I got to give it points for that. But I did like it better this second time, kind of because I knew what to expect on this go around. So I, I think this is a, a solid eight out of 10 movie. It's very, it is very good. Okay. Um, there's just still some things that I'm just like, ah, well, we can kinda, talk about it yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's talk about the Safdie brothers real quick. They're New York filmmakers with six feature films. Most of them are pretty small indie films. Uh, their most notable one being good time 2017 with Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. And of course on cut gems, 2019, um, they're they're probably like the most notable up and coming filmmakers right now. I mean, there's a lot that are up and coming, but with a cut uncut gems performing so well critically, uh, they're on the rise. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the inspiration that the Safdie brothers got from this, because like I said, the Safdie brothers did write it with Robert uh, Bornstein. So the film was inspired. By the Safdie brothers' father, um, he was working as a salesman slash runner for a man also named Howard in the Manhattan Diamond District, which is where the movie is set. Mm-hmm. And uh, Josh Safdie told the rap in 2019, "Our dad worked there for seven or eight years, and he worked for a guy named Howard, who is a outside in the Diamond District, a real character. Our Howard is not even a little bit like real Howard, but there would be no our Howard without the real Howard." <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so don't really know what that means. Uh-huh. No, I'm just joking. But yeah, so it was inspired by a real diamond dude. Cool. Well, that, that that's another thing. Like I just said in the in our uh, our review, I like kind of picking a job that isn't shown a lot and mm-hmm. kind of going into it. And so I hadn't really seen that kind of job in a movie before. Yeah. Um, that I'd watched. So I, I did. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. And during the same interview, Benny Sa- uh, Safdie said that their father experiences while seeing the Diamond District's inner workings was a key influence. It was an inspiration for us to think, oh, this world can be explored and mined for these incredible stories and moments that could only exist on this block of 47th Street, which is Diamond District in New York City. So, yeah, just like you said, it's like such a small, well, not, not small place because it is New York City, but such <laughs> a particular like kind of little area where, you know, the diamonds are and jewelry and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of diving into that is like really interesting. Love to see a documentary about it because yeah. just, I mean, I don't know how crazy it is there, but just seeing like their stories they've heard from the Diamond District influencing this crazy outlandish kind of movie is i just want to see what what actually goes down yeah yeah because it seems like there's probably a lot of shit that goes down. <laughs> i know and I, I bet there's like a lot of characters like howard uh-huh. uh the one in the movie because i don't know <laughs> i just feel like it wouldn't is. surprise me yeah. yeah i feel like everybody knows a howard <laughs> <laughs> Dude, who's your howard just name him right now <laughs> i'm not gonna call him Alex. Like because <laughs> okay. I don't know Howard. Anyway, so there was a lot of pre-production madness in this. Um, like I said, they were up and coming. So the Safety brothers wanted to make this film since 2009. That's a long time. So yeah. it took like 10 years to get this movie uh, fully made. Uh, and prior to good time, but uh, they couldn't get the project off the ground due to lack of financing, which is probably every young filmmaker's um, 
What was I going to say? Yeah. Problem. Yeah. Couldn't even think. <laughs> uh, but during that waiting period, someone named Robert Pattinson contacted the brothers via email and said he was interested to work with after he randomly discovered the poster of an actress, Ariel Holmes, covered in pink neon lights from their previous film, Heaven Knows What. And um, he's all on the internet, so he emailed him. And after they met Pattinson, he liked him and he was inspired by their energy. So. The uh, Safdie brothers spontaneously started to write Good Time with them, and after that, it hit critical success, mm -hmm. and the brothers found themselves getting calls from Hollywood executives and offering big-budget jobs and even a superhero movie, which everybody <laughs> offers someone a superhero movie nowadays. Uh -huh. And, I'm sure uh, they'll have their day. <laughs> yeah, but they declined it, and instead they secured their own fan financing for the movie they wanted to create, which is this movie, Uncut Gems. Hmm. So, yeah, we don't always have to, you know, go into superheroes. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the Safdie brothers struck out in 2002, uh, 2012 and trying to dreamcast Adam Sandler for the role of Howard Ratner, they tried a second time offering Sandler the role again in 2015. The answer was still no, however, which resulted in the directors pursuing other actors. So he turned them down twice. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of them was their manager or like or Adam Sandler's agent saw the script and was like, Adam Sandler's not going to do this. Yeah. And then the other one is he read it the first time. I mm -hmm. think that's what happened. I'm not quite sure. It is very different from... What Adam Sandler has done, even from Punch Punch Drunk Love, it's mm -hmm. a totally different role. Yeah, that's really the only other like dramatic role that I know him from. Yeah, there's uh, Merowitz stories and some other one, mm. but yeah. So the person that uh, got uh, casted because Adam Sandler couldn't do it was actually Jonah Hill in 2017. But his age was a factor as a Safdie brother has had a hard time of writing Howard Ratner like more youthful. Yeah. So yeah, um, I get that. But they they were trying to do it and they kept working at it. But Jonah Hill got carried away with his own stuff and his own film, particularly with his uh, with mid nineties. Okay. Yeah. So another A twenty four. Yeah, another A twenty. Did you see mid nineties? Yeah, I did. I didn't see it. Was oh, okay. It, how was it? Uh, I liked it. Okay. Yeah. Um. I don't know that I'll probably ever watch it again. I don't remember a ton from it, but I remember watching it and and more or less enjoying it. Yeah, so after that, after Jonah Hill went and did mid-90s, they decided to reach out to Adam Sandler for one more time. Um, and so during a 2019 appearance on Ellen, Adam Sandler credited his wife with making the final push to convince him to work with the Safdie brothers on Uncup Jim, stating... I read it and I loved the movie, but I was scared to do it. Then I asked Jackie, his wife, mm -hmm. to read it. We do we do this together. Me and Jackie, we discuss what I'm going to do, and she gives me the strength and courage to jump into this stuff. So she read it and was like, "You have to do it right when, or you have to do it right when she says I have to do it." I go, "Okay." I've jumped in and I have to do so many scenes where bad things happen and I have to be naked and stuff. That's terrible for everybody, but it was an amazing time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does have to go naked in that trunk, which yeah. that would make me very uncomfortable. Um, uh -huh. I feel like there's a lot of uncomfortable stuff they've had the actors do. Even movie. the opening scene, which we'll we'll go into. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, other pre-production madness was the uh, NBA player. Mm -hmm. The Safdie brothers grew up in New York. They're big uh, basketball fanatics. They love the Knicks, so they like the Knicks. So they were gonna get. Uh, Amari Stoudemire, who used to play in the NBA, he used to play for the Knicks, and he was uh, pretty good. But then they uh, went for their agent, Kobe Bryant's agent, uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant's agent, contacted him and said he wanted to act. 
So Safdie uh, brothers, they rewrote the script specifically for Kobe Bryant's persona, and they had to change it because Kobe Bryant played on the West uh, West Coast instead mm-hmm. of the East Coast, which it you know mainly happens in the East Coast. Yeah. And then once they rewrote it, Kobe Bryant's agent contacted him back and said, "Never mind, he wants to direct, so forget about it." <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> and so, and so they're like, "Well." This rewrite is just in the trash can. Yeah. And so they're like, we're going to go for uh, contemporary filmmaking, just make it current. And uh, so they contacted a guy that's playing right now named Joel Embiid. And then that didn't really work out because, I mean, he's playing right now. So I guess he, he has mm. to put his time into that. Yeah. They and they're really set on getting like a actual NBA player in this. I mean, you kind of have to, really. Yeah. I mean, I that's guess true. you don't have to. But it's just easier because like they're they're showing his gambling addiction of mm. um and so you're going to have to show like game footage. Oh that yeah that's true. So it would be easier just to like rip their game footage from, mm. you know, archives and rather like having to put in money for another production yeah, of yeah. filming a basketball game. That is true. Which is takes true. a lot. Um yeah. I mean that's probably a main reason, I don't know, but and then so they settled on Kevin Garnett, which he makes his first film debut in this movie. How do you think he did? I thought he was good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you get professional athletes like that, especially when you when he's playing himself, mm-hmm. I think that helps a lot because, I mean, I figure any celebrity kind of has at least to an extent a persona because um, when you're in the public eye like that all the time, I feel like, you know, especially as somebody in sports where you kind of have all these people, you have like fan bases, there's rivalries or that kind of stuff. You probably play to that a lot. So you kind of probably build up this persona, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like he's got, has some acting experience with that already. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like if you're playing, playing yourself, that makes it pretty easy, but he felt, he felt pretty natural in it. Yeah. Yeah. He's very like on the court. He's probably like the biggest trash talker that we've, had for a while in the NBA so like he's a very intense dude okay and you can kind of see that come out in this movie uh like he was you could kind of see him working and he even like the opal scenes where he was like looking intensely and he was on the the um the glass and where it broke like his acting like it felt really natural which I bet Mm. was really hard because you're just staring into a rock yeah yeah, that's true. That's true. I feel just like to, I would look dumb just staring into uh, a rock. Yeah, to to preface this, which we talked about in our uh, He Got Game episode as well, I don't really know much about basketball. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't really have to. Uh-huh. It, it is a Basketball is a big part in this movie. You can tell the Safdie brothers really like it and mm-hmm. probably gambling too. I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah, they had a lot of pre-production mess, but they finally got it done and they started shooting. And then that's where we got our movie Uncut Gems. So let's talk about the movie itself, the plot. Uh, I just want to talk about the opening scene real quick. Um, <laughs> so you you start out in Ethiopia. Uh-huh. You have all like the miners and stuff like that. It was actually shot in a- South Africa because mm. they weren't allowed to shoot in Ethiopia. Okay. Um, I guess there's rules or something like that. Yeah. I always kind of wondered why that scene was there. It felt kind of unnecessary mm-hmm. to me. I don't really know why that's the point they decided to start at. But yeah, I guess it's just to show like maybe to bring awareness to it. I guess both bring awareness to it and also like I don't know to show the like the struggles of the miners and the opal and mm-hmm. the Jewish people specifically in that region. Yeah. I I'm not totally sure I didn't see them say anything about it, but mm-hmm. I guess maybe part of it just like makes you 
um, maybe like despise some of the characters in the movie even more that there's all these people suffering over this rock and then, yeah, you know, for it to be such like, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then he just saw it on the Nat Geo channel. He's uh, like, I'm trying to learn and shit, you know? So I put on the Nat Geo channel. That line is so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we kind of, the camera, you know, dives into an opal and then we kind of, uh, come out of a, uh, colonoscopy. So why <laughs> why this was like one of my complaints in the movie cherry is they have another they have like a shot where it's like you're the camera's like inside of tom holland's asshole really looking out yeah oh my at god at least this was just a colonoscopy that one was even more freaking yeah. weird but <laughs> yeah it's like there's like swirling through the rock and then all of a sudden it turns into like the inside of his colon i like, know oh. dude i've kind of forgot <laughs> about like how I mean, it's not too graphic, but you can definitely tell. Yeah. And I was like eating chicken, and I just spit it out. I was like, uh, <laughs> You're like, nope. not, not right now. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that that first shot. I mean, it's kind of creative, though, don't you think? It's different. <laughs> it's different. Yeah, I, I guess. Because <laughs> we like, you know, you the the movie starts out of you coming out of them, and uh-huh. then the end you come into them. Uh-huh. That sounds. That sounds. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> you ever wonder why we have that little red e next to the title of our episode <laughs> i did not mean to say that oh this name anyways uh <laughs> all right so uh <laughs> let's move on from that uh so yeah the, i wanted to talk about like the constant action in this uh like there's so many scenes where you're having like many plot points kind of like all caving in at each other uh mm. specifically like where he's on the phone call um, with his doctor mm-hmm. and the fish, and then that yeah, yeah like, all that just, going on. Yeah, like what do you think about that? Like, because I think I don't know of too many movies that have this constant anxiety-driven plot that yeah. keeps going. It was it was just so frantic, and that's the part of why I didn't like it as much the first time I saw it. Is because you're in these scenes and like without subtitles, I think it probably would have been a little lost because you literally have. Yeah, you'll have like three different conversations going on at the same exact time amongst like seven people in the same room. And so everyone's talking over each other about all these different things kind of like overlapping. So it was a little overstimulating sometimes, but I do think it's pretty cool because like you said, it's not something you see a lot. Um, You know, so I thought it was cool to see all this like talking over each other. It felt natural. Like it felt like that's probably how those people in that moment would be acting yeah. and it yeah it felt real so i i appreciate it for that it I, it would be so hard to direct all that and like just how many takes is this like are you gonna get it right on because mm. it just feels like there's a lot of moving pieces but I, maybe he's just telling them to go you know yeah I was my fish that a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it's just it's just really i mean the only other movie i've seen of that is their movie good times so, mm. oh yeah, yeah yeah that's which another, is like, like the same exact uh-huh. way um but what, what do you like better good time or uncut gems after watching uncut gems again i think i need to watch good time again um me too yeah yeah <laughs> i think i like uncut gems right now uh-huh. but maybe just because i just i you know i just watched it mm. this one good time's not as frantic i feel like yeah it's like more linear mm-hmm. but i think something with a lot of their movies which i think if i were to well by a lot i mean good time and uncut jazz yeah uh like i think if i were to watch good time again 
Um, same like with Uncut Gems. I think I probably like it a little better because in both of these movies, there's kind of multiple points where it's kind of like unsettling and kind of like shocking at first. And so it kind of takes you back a little bit, but then I kind of appreciate them as filmmakers for going there. Mm -hmm. Like there's that scene in Good Time where Robert Pattinson is like making out with an underage girl. And it's so uncomfortable yeah. and unsettling and gross and i really wanted to turn it off mm-hmm. um and i was kind of like wow that was really unnecessary but also i think it really just shows you how shitty of a person robert pattinson's character yeah. is and so i i do appreciate it for that mm-hmm. and i kind of kind of kind of respect them for actually going there and showing that because yeah. that took some balls I uh, saw that at a film festival and got to see Robert Pattinson like talk afterwards mm-hmm. and i was you know i was going to scream out like hey that was messed up, dude. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> I was so involved into that character. Uh-huh. And but every, as soon as he came out, everybody was screaming Edward. But anyway, <laughs> which must be so annoying, by the I way. I know for real. <laughs> I mean, he's done so like such good work. Uh-huh. Uh, and then someone to call you Edward Cullen. Yeah, and then we start calling him Batman soon. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Well, we'll see how it does. You yeah, know? yeah. Some Going people from one bat to another. <laughs> yeah, some people will do death threats if it's bad. Um, so let's talk about Howard Ratner for a second. Hmm. Uh, this is the character played by Adam Sandler. He's our main guy. We're with him the whole time in the whole movie. He's you know obviously a gambling addict. He ha- he kind he kind of has a charismatic personality to him. Yeah. Yeah. He can sell. Um, uh, so, I mean, he's just very outgoing. He's in a lot of debt because mm-hmm. he keeps making transactions. He just keeps pushing the envelope and keeps trying to gamble. Yeah, he doesn't know when to quit. Nope. And um, so I was going to ask you, I know you kind of briefly said it. Mm-hmm. You don't like his character, but like, go into <laughs> him. Well, why don't you like this? Uh, well, he's just obnoxious. He's so annoying. Mm-hmm. Um. His voice annoys me. <laughs> He's just nonstop. You feel, I feel pity for his character. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for him. But also, I think he's the only one responsible for putting himself in all these situations. Yep, he is. Um, which is very frustrating. And I think that this is a character where um, I, I feel like some people probably like like, like to hate him. Or I, I think that Adam Sandler was a good choice for this character because they want you to dislike him. But if you dislike him too much, then you're not going to want to sit there and watch the movie. And so I think Adam Sandler brings that kind of lovable mm-hmm. part to him. Um, so I think that, that was a smart choice on their part, casting yeah. an actor like that. I totally um, agree with you. I feel like a lot of people do love this character mm-hmm. just because of how, like, I don't know, stupid he is. Yeah. <laughs> just in I general. Think, yeah, probably the reason I hate him most is because I'm like, ugh, he doesn't. He doesn't deserve the level of hotness of that girl. Oh, you talking about talking about uh oh Julia? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean That made me mad. I was like, come on. A little jealous there. Um, I mean, hey, that's Adam Sandler and like as a person, not uh-huh. even as his character. Yeah. He just I mean I mean Adam Sandler's not bad looking. But anyway, mm-hmm. so I was gonna actually talk about that next, but Howard Ratner and Julia, what do you think of their relationship? Does Julia actually care about him? I don't know. I think it's she does. Very, I Yes, I do think she does. It's very frustrating relationship to watch because mm-hmm. both of them do so many things wrong yeah. in it. Um they're terrible for each other yet for whatever reason they still like love each other but it's so toxic. It's so toxic. So that's hard to watch. Um but I do think she loves him. I don't think she would 
because he's he's a loser. He really is. Howard mm. is a loser, and um, well, because he keeps having this like promise of money and money and money, but he he never delivers. He just keeps losing over and over again. Yeah, and so I feel like she must not be with him for the money because clearly he's not getting it. And she can, I mean, she could get with the weekend if she wanted to. Yeah, but that was know? the weekend before the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he was because this is you know a film in 2012. Yeah, but even then, I'd take. 2012 weekend over 2012 <laughs> Howard Ratner. Yeah. I'm going to talk about the weekend real quick because uh-huh. um, I wasn't going to bring him up too much, but I feel like he's came up a lot. I guess he is the weekend. You know, he's, I mean, he just performed at the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Um, well, not just performed, but <laughs> so I'll talk about the weekend a little bit. So the weekend based his performance on kind of an arrogant guy. He was at the stage of his life of performing those shows in New York and trying to uh, get out there. Mm-hmm. I think the weekend is from Toronto. I'm or Canada. I know he's from Canada. I'm not. Yeah, quite they said sure. he was from Canada in the movie. Yeah. So, um, so I guess when he was up and coming, he was. Uh, trying to get in the scene. So he said he just based off of his previous self. The reason that The weekend is in this movie, because he really doesn't have, I guess his only plot device is like to, you know, make a little yeah, controversy yeah. between Julia and Howard. But the reason he's in it is he's actually a cinephile. Like he loves movies. Hmm. Uh, he is friends with uh, the Safdie brothers. And like they say, like he's really into, into movies. Like, hmm. More than we are, probably. Yeah. Because I think he almost went to film school to major in it, uh, by the way. Ma- <laughs> Not to minor. <laughs> Not to minor. So, he, yeah, he got into this movie, and um, he played a, uh, a asshole, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Arrogant guy. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah. What else was I going to say? What were we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about... Um, oh, yeah. The, she got she got a tattoo on her ass. Oh, yeah. that was. I was like, oh, goodness. Yeah. Why, why ruin it? You and know. then she she goes to uh, the sports betting place and all that. Mm-hmm. Still don't think she cares about him. Yeah, I think she does. Okay, no, okay. I do. I do. Okay. I think she does care about him. Okay. Yeah, I, I think there you. was points. I I think I I was a little indecisive at first, but as the movie goes on, it's like okay, yeah, she does. Mm-hmm. I um, agree with you. Um, okay, so we'll go on the flip side. Of his, his wife's name is Dina. 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 I don't know. No, the actress. No, not the actress. Okay, I don't remember the character's name. Okay, well, head, Howard but... and his uh, and his wife, um, Frozen Lady. I'm just uh-huh. joking. <laughs> you know, I like I That's didn't probably really insulting because I'm pretty sure she's like a broad. No, I was star. about to, I was about yeah. to say that I didn't. Uh, I never like into musicals or I just watched Frozen for the first time. So mm. I, while I was looking her up for this, like she is literally like a legend. She is in so many like she's a Broadway legend. She has so many Tony Awards and everything. And uh, I I was very surprised because um, in this role it was a lot different from like any other Broadway thing she's ever done. Mm-hmm. So what did you think about the marriage? Uh, obviously terrible marriage. I I side with her one hundred percent. I'm on Team Howard's wife, uh, <laughs> whose name I don't remember. Um, yeah, I feel bad for her. I feel bad for really the whole family. Um, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. I liked her. I liked. I really enjoy the scene where Howard is just pathetically pleading to her, being like, you know what, let's just give our marriage another go after he gets mm-hmm. dumped by his little girlfriend, or I think he tells her, I don't remember, but like, yeah, you know, and then when she just laughs in his face, it was so satisfying for me. And I was like, yes, like, go in on him, please. <laughs> I really like that. She yeah. was so over 
his his bullshit. Okay. Well, let me reword it. So, like, what do you think of Howard to his wife and to his family? Do you think he cares? Um, I'm. I think he cares about his his kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's something where um obviously i'm not a parent so i don't know but i feel like for the most part most parents do care about their children even if they're not good parents to them mm-hmm. um so i think he does care about his kids and i think he really only doesn't want to be alone and i think that's why he kind of tried to go back to his wife again yeah um i don't think he if he really cared about her as a person he wouldn't have cheated on her in the first place boom yeah <laughs> I've I've always felt that we way. have changed our our yeah. podcast to relationship <laughs> advice. Please put in our uh, DMs on our Instagram. We minored in relationships. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, the other plot point we have the opal. Uh, so he got this opal from Ethiopia, a black opal. By the way, apparently a white opal is uh, very bad luck. Like it's hmm. just has a stigma towards it. But a black one, it's okay, and it has all those colors inside of it. And uh, I try to look up how expensive they are, like, you know, today. I think they're about the same price, like 100-something thousand. Okay. Uh, I guess it depends on what carrots it is. But, yeah, he gets this opal. Well, he smuggles it, by the way. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, inside of that dead fish carcass. Yeah, so he's smuggling it from these Ethiopian workers to try to get his big score. Like, the whole plot point in itself of him just trying to get money and trying to pay him back, or not even pay him back, just to use that money for something else. Like, mm. what what do you think? Do you, did this satisfy your needs? Did <laughs> movie watching? Did the opal satisfy my? Or needs? just like the whole plot point of this? You know, like getting this rock smuggled in. Oh yeah, I'm making money. Yeah, it was fine. It was serviceable. I mean, it was kind of just like the MacGuffin of the story. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some trying, you know, deeper meaning they're trying to put in there, but like. Um, yeah, I thought it was it worked fine for what it was. Yeah, I mean the whole title was supposed to be like a deeper meaning. We're uh-huh. all uncut gems. Oh. We're all rough. No, seriously, that's <laughs> yeah, what it is. No, We're uh, all rough out the outside. You just gotta look inside. Yeah, um, bunch of bullshit. No, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it is interesting though because it really is just kind of an ugly rock when you look at it until you get up close. Because mm-hmm. I'm like that literally just looks like a rock, but then you can kind of see little specks on it. Where yeah, then if you get real close. And then look Howard's it. in your ear. He's like, "Dinosaurs looked at that shit, man." He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Shut up, Howard! I'm trying to look at the rock." <laughs> Dinosaurs picked that rock up and looked at it. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the auction. Uh, so he puts the black opal on auction. Um, he didn't get it appraised. Even if he did, it would probably not be as much as he thought, which mm-hmm. he thought it was going to be like a million dollars or something like that. Yeah. And then he gets his like, was it his father? Uh, it's mm, father-in-law, maybe, or somebody in the family. Yeah, someone in but, the family. Yeah, I felt so bad because <laughs> it's like, what do you do? Like, is he's he's his family. He's trying to take care of him, do him a favor. He just, you know, and then of course he ends up getting screwed over because how he sucks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, you just feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. That auction scene is so tense because you're like, you're like Kevin Garnett. You should just raise your raise your thing up. I bet know. some more. Bet some more. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, I it just it always kills me to see him. Poor uh-huh. old man. But then he <laughs> dropped in, and then he like when he left, he rolled rolled up in like a Roy's Royce or something like that. Uh, so yeah, like he's, I think he's fine. Uh huh. I know it's one of those like it's just. The tension in the scene. There's so many tense scenes in mm-hmm. this movie. It's like like a Tarantino. Tarantino loves to play with tension in his films, and this one, 
was just the whole movie was like tense, 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 like slightest of releases, and then you keep going up, like just ramping up all the way until the end. Yeah. I mean, the first time I watched it when I didn't know like what was what was coming, I mean, I was like gripping onto my seat, you know, by the end of the movie. Yeah, I, I totally understand you. Um, So we kind of have like the end here where he is taking all this money and he's betting it on um kevin garnett they have that scene where he's like you see this like they don't think you can play this good so he, he bets on the opening tip and he bets on them to win and bets on kevin garnett to get a certain amount of points and rebounds uh and then it, it, how does it end jacob what happens <laughs> it ends with uh he would have gotten all this money except the dude that he owes money to yeah so that's his brother-in-law i think mm-hmm. uh canceled the bet <laughs> which i was like wow well no not at that the end sucks at the beginning he, he canceled his bet yeah yeah oh are we talking about the end yeah end? The end, oh the, the end and okay yeah wow that was that was the scene that had me gripping like yeah. the um so yeah, it was great. The tension in it was uh, awesome. You kind of see him turning around like, wow, we're actually like going to win this and we're going to get this money. And then they win. And then, boom, shot in the eye. And cheek, yeah, really? I saw it. Yeah, you're right. The cheek. Yeah. And that, that came out of nowhere for me. I was mm. like, my kind of jaw dropped a little bit. Um, I think it's so surprising because the way that they shot it didn't really imply it was going to happen at all. It was almost like took me a second to like process that his kind of arm went off, went up, and the gun went off. And mm-hmm. I like how they didn't overemphasize it with the cinematography because that would have made it a little less of like a shock and yeah. like a wait, did that just happen? Um, yeah, I was in the scene, I was in the theaters, and that happened, and everybody went, <gasps> <laughs> you know, uh-huh. people started crying. It was, oh my goodness, oh, I miss the theater. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I like. Killing people suddenly sometimes feels like it's an easy way out to mm-hmm. end a movie. But for some reason, this felt right. It did. Like, usually it kind of is like, why you didn't have to do that. You couldn't have thought of something better. But mm-hmm. this this felt right for some reason. Yeah, it did. And, um, I mean, there's kind of the irony in it where, you know, they started off with him getting this colonoscopy and seeing um, some polyps and stuff in there that could be cancerous. And so you're thinking, like, oh, this is a guy that might be dying right now. And then you find out, like, oh, it's not cancer. He's alive. So then that gives you that feeling of safety with his character where you don't think anything's going to happen to him because, you know, you thought he might have cancer. Now he doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so you think he's safe. And that just makes it all the more shocking at the end when he's not. Yeah. And he dies with a smile on his face, basically, Mm -hmm. because he thought he just won a bunch of money. Yeah. But no, you're dead. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the poster, you can see him, like, holding his cheek. I just oh, noticed that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, pretty cool. That is cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's how it ends. I think that um ending it with like suddenly getting shot because if he would have got that money, it would have just turned on him to try to make it more money and I thinking to owing it owing more people and it would just keep going. I feel mm-hmm. like the gangster kind of do that. Yeah. And uh yeah. So I wonder what's going to happen with with Julia. Yeah, well, she's rich, man. Yeah, she's got all that money now, but I, yeah, so I'm curious what happens with it. Yeah, I don't know. Probably the weekend. <laughs> the sequel, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have Letterbox and Fun Fact Hour. Yeah, let's get into some Letterbox reviews. This movie starts us right off with a psychedelic colonoscopy to signify how clenched our asses will be for the next two hours and 15 minutes. And I can call this, and I cannot stress this enough, 
Poetic Cinema by Maria. <laughs> by the way, guys, <laughs> that took us seven takes because I could not say colonoscopy. <laughs> and signify. And signify. Um, I'm this, proud of you. You did This it. COVID vaccine got me... Ooh, tripping right now and then and then jacob kept messing up the intro we just we just kept going for a second Ooh, that was rough all right so the next one we got the best live action shark tale remake i could ask for is it have you seen shark tale it's been a long time oh it, it would hit better it, uh-huh. it is kind of similar in a way okay yeah I, from what i remember i can see that um that's by james uh Shafrilis. i i have read like three of his letterbox reviews hmm. in three different movies and i do not know how to say your last name <laughs> so i probably should look that up um making a period piece set in 2012 and 2019 is the funniest possible move we gotta stop coney branson reese <laughs> you remember that uh-huh okay that's yeah no, that is kind of cool i didn't think about that too much but yeah, yeah. it's it really is interesting for a movie to pick to only go back you know like seven years eight mm-hmm. years something like that yeah um that's pretty cool because most people just be like, oh, well, I guess, you know, you have that time in mind. That's the time it has to take place in. So that's when it should take place. But yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, So, yeah, stop Coney. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so fun fact hour. Bing, 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 bing. There's actually quite a bit fun facts in this movie with it only being out for what? how many years has it been? Two years. Mm-hmm. Um, So it was Julius Fox idea for her character to have Howard's name tattooed on her ass. All right. I yeah. wonder why. <laughs> and it's a real tattoo, by the way. Uh-uh. I don't think it is. No, I'm like, just no. joking. <laughs> uh, this is uh, socialite Julia Fox's first film role. She was approached by the Safdie brothers based on her high-profile New York City social life. So huh. her first ever movie, um, she she killed it pretty much. Yeah. No, she did great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that she had a high profile New York social life, but I can see it because I watched an interview and just like the jacket she was wearing, I yeah. was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. I saw an interview too. It was she, like a blue poof of yeah, her, fuzz. <laughs> her interview kind of like, she's kind of like her character in, uh-huh. in the movie. Yeah. Um, to get an authentic reaction from the actors when Kevin Garnett accidentally breaks the jewel glass, the Safdie brothers had the glass top rigged with a charge to shatter the glass. The brothers did not tell the actors when they would detonate the charge, thereby keeping the element of surprise. Okay, I like that, but also that sounds dangerous. <laughs> yeah, so why Kevin Garnett is wearing that like kind of big leather jacket is because like when his forearms oh, go into uh-huh. it, they're, you know, it won't cut them yeah yeah okay okay so uh we see that a lot in the movie i feel like i've seen said that fact like three thousand times already <laughs> like a director's like i'm going to surprise you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and kill you uh-huh. like, see, which i think is funny because i feel like if i was acting mm-hmm. and i got surprised by the director i'd probably stop acting and be like yeah. oh you got me man like i wouldn't keep going <laughs> yeah right i'd be too caught I, off guard we're I'd gonna stop. do the exorcist at one point uh just because i want to read all the fun facts of how the director almost killed everybody <laughs> on set i would like to do that because i have not seen the exorcist yeah it's like okay to. <laughs> I watched it, it here, I watched folks. it with my girlfriend who was making fun of it the whole time so it was hard to get into um which I bet Calissa does <laughs> that um the basketball series shown in the film was the 2012 NBA Eastern Conference semifinals between the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers Boston won that series and moved on to the next round there 
there they lost to the eventual champions, the Miami Heat. Um, I remember that series very vividly. I'm pretty sure that was the one where uh, LeBron James finally overcame the Celtics. Jacob does not know what I'm talking about. That's okay, though. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it was real game footage. Like I said, it's easier on, on everybody. And mm-hmm. um, Kevin Garnett, I guess, really did have a big game seven. I don't remember. I was 13. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the opening and closing sequence floating through the opal was inspired by the work of uh, photo micrographers Danny J. Sanchez and Edward uh, Gilbin. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I heard they live in L.A. and that they are, I guess, photography of like micro sets or mm-hmm. something. I don't okay. know what it is. I try to look it up, but... Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's where they got their inspiration for the Opal, but the Opal is mainly uh, special effects. Mm -hmm. And they said it was kind of hard because a lot of these visual effects and stuff like that, you you take, like, stuff that's already been created and just trying to mess it together. Uh, But this time they kind of had to, like, kind of create their own of what an Opal would look like in the Mm -hmm. inside. So a lot of, like, what you could kind of tell, like, a lot of, like, space art and galaxy and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Adam Sandler wore false teeth and a fake dark mole on his right cheek for the role. So, mm-hmm. you could t- tell he wore false teeth throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. And his voice kind of, uh-huh. you said, was <laughs> annoying. Uh-huh. So, uh, UC is played by a real-life jeweler um, who is embroiled in a social media spat with rapper Takashi 69 and 2018 over $25,000 bracelet he said he lent the performer and was never paid for the situation was covered by several hip hop media news outlets and they got him and they put him in the movie hmm. and um you actually see this in a lot the safty brothers use real workers the UPS man was a real UPS man hmm. a lot of the jewelers were real jewelers and um Vice versa, using a lot of real people. They also used a real opal, mm-hmm. a black opal um, from Australia, where a lot of them are from. Okay. They, of course, did not buy it. They rented it. Mm. Um, so you can rent an opal if you want. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. know what well, you think, want it for. I think it's just a smart decision to use, like, the real people if you can. Because, mm-hmm. like, I, why wouldn't you? Like, why train somebody to do this thing when you can get somebody that does it for a living and it's going to feel so much more authentic? Yeah. Like, someone, like, came up to us and they're, like, well, they already did Knives Out. But they came up to us <laughs> and they're like, hey, can you play two very mediocre film podcasts and cover our movie? <laughs> yeah, we would do amazing. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Just don't have the word, like, colonoscopy in it. <laughs> stuff just don't make me read it'll bring the authenticity (laughs) all right um the house used for the exterior of howard ratner's home is the same house used as freddie mercury's home in bohemian rhapsody 2018 so if you're a film nerd oh i was also wondering yeah what does his wife do because that is a freaking nice ass house well he's he is rich like he is rich he's Mm -hmm. just probably broke at that moment yeah okay or just comes from a rich family like Uh they look like they're a rich family because he he was able to have an apartment for julia Mm -hmm. what else oh they symbolize that they take like big vacations every year or at least a vacation and stuff like that that's true so that's i'm guessing yeah Mm -hmm. um Oh, the Safety brothers were so insistent on shooting on 35 millimeter film that they actually took a pay cut uh, which is awesome. 
Yeah. I think the cinematography looked awesome in this movie, and uh, the film adds extra texture Hmm. to it. That was actually something I think I might have written that down. Um, I I thought the cinematography was fine, but it really didn't stand out to me at all. I thought it was serviceable, but there wasn't really anything in particular where I was like, oh, like that was like really cool. I think there is some shots of like Adam Sandler's face that I was like, that looks really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to think, I think it's the black light one. Mm. And maybe I don't want to quote him, but the I'm gonna come one. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. But oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> But yeah, though yeah, you're right though. It wasn't like out of this world. I think Good Time had really good cinematography though. Mm. Um but yeah. So that was that. So let's go into future projects linked with the Safety brothers because they are up and coming, so I'll tell you what they're doing. Yeah. Um, in December 2017, The Hollywood Reporter announced that the Safties will helm the 48 Hours remake with the script being written by Josh Safdie, Ronald Bronstein, and um, Jared Carmichael. In December 2019, Safdie's elaborated in an interview with the AV Club saying the film will still being made will no longer be a remake. Their script will be insisted to be a reshift into something original. I don't know if you've ever seen 48 Hours or not. I don't with, think um, I have. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I have not. Yeah, that's it. All right. In February 2020, Showtime ordered a pilot for The Curse, a parody of HGTV starring Nathan Fielder <laughs> and Benny Safdie. Uh, I don't know what that's about, but I love both fun, of those though. guys. So I'm going to, I'm rolling with it. I hope uh. that, that comes out <laughs> soon. Um, and then also, Benny Safdie is acting in the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. So yeah, that's yeah. what they're oh, up he's to. He's also going to be in uh, the. Kenobi show on Disney Plus. Benny? Yep. He's man, he's getting his acting chops out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah acting in good time. Mm-hmm. Um did really well. Uh what's the Kenobi show? Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh-huh. I I don't know what I thought you were saying for a second. Yeah. Also speaking of actors, we kind of brushed over him, but Lakeith Stanfield was great in this movie as always. He's mm-hmm. fantastic. I always love seeing him in something. Yeah, he was playing like I don't even know what you would like say his character was, like just trying to sell fake watches and Yeah, pretty much just kind of like, like a socialite. Yeah, like yeah. a social, like getting in with all these like famous people, and he would kind of get his money by like bringing them to the, like, mm-hmm. the jewelers and taking like a cut. You know, have you ever seen the show Atlanta? I have not. Okay, well, he plays like a like kind of a odd like spiritual character, and so I was watching his interviews. Uh, even though I didn't really bring him up, but he's exactly like that. Like he's just kind of like a spiritual guy. Yeah, he's a little cool. different. Um, but yeah, so that was Uncut Gems. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. I love this movie. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. What are we doing next week? Next week, we are doing one of my favorite movies, Jaws. I'm super excited. Yeah. I've been wanting I, to I know you've been, uh, you've been doing, the, you've been researching this one hard, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I started. I, I saw started you, a new job. So, like, yeah. my, my time for research is down. So, I started early, but I saw you watch the documentary and everything, though, right? Oh, yeah, I did. One yeah. of the documentaries. One I'll probably of. watch another one soon. <laughs> Ooh, that's going to be a good one. So, please stay tuned for that. And shout out to uh, social media manager, Calissa Schultz. Shout out to our graphic designer, Annabella Ortiz. Please follow us on all socials at We Mitered in Film on Instagram, Mitered in Film on Letterboxd and Twitter. We are active on all platforms now. Mm -hmm. So please (laughs) stop by and give us a follow. I am Logan Elrod. I'm Jacob Weiss. And We Mitered in Film.